Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Today, The Monologue, Episode 47, Suffocating the Spirit. last several weeks of our country, America, have been straight out of dystopian novels, straight out of the history books, and it's happening here in my own state of Minnesota. And I've just felt like being silent and watching the storm brew, watching the lightning strike, wondering if I have anything to offer. My focus is eroticism, it's sex, it's connection, it's communication, and it seems like this topic is not a topic anybody wants to hear right now. We would rather talk about how racist our country is, how evil the police force is. We would rather point our fingers and find somebody to blame for all of this, and the truth is, we. We can't blame anybody but ourselves. And I know that seems harsh. I know that when you really break that down and run the logic all the way through, that would look like saying, well then George Floyd has nobody to blame but himself. And so as a quick point of clarification, I am not saying that what has happened to George Floyd, that what has happened to anybody at the hands of the police officers is that they should blame themselves for that. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying you should have complied or comply or die. I would never say anything that heartless. I would never intend for that. But I want you to sit with it for a moment as we talk about consequences. George Floyd did not deserve to die. He did not deserve to be treated the way he was by the Minneapolis Police Department. None of that was deserved. None of that should have been a worthy consequence. None of that should ever happen in the hands of law enforcement. So I just want, I want to make that point of clarification. I do not want my words to be minced. I know that we have a tendency to manipulate things that people say, even when there are context bites that can make things clear if they're all listened to in their entirety. But we are not, we're not seekers of all of the information. We're seekers of the information that makes us feel aroused in our anger. So just please let that be a point of clarification. With that being said, let us consider. In our actions throughout life, we always have a choice. And every single choice we make has a consequence. We don't like to admit that because if I have to take accountability for my actions, that means I have to be more mindful about the choices I make and the actions I take. And it's hard to do that because that's not fair. It's not fair for a consequence to occur to another person that seems racist or sexist. And don't get me wrong. I'm not about to sit here and tell you 
that what has transpired between the police force and the citizenry does not include racism, because I believe it's there. I believe more than that this is a power struggle. I believe more than anything that this is a convenient time for all of us to be at each other's throats. We just came off of COVID-19. We just came out of quarantine. We are filled with uncertainty as it is. And all it took was one more slight against humanity for people to stand up and say, I'm fucking tired. And I, I, I get that. I get that. What I've been trying to do is take the scenes of what is taking place across the country as an external view and ask myself, what does that reveal to me that I need to work on in my own home, in my own internal life? And I know a lot of people don't want to do that. Like, why would you do that, Danielle? What does what's going on out there have to do with what I have to work on? Pay attention. What's going on out there probably reflects the lack of peace you have in your own house and in your own heart. Now, I'm not trying to come to you and say that I'm having problems with my marriage, which a lot of people have been making assumptions on. I'm not trying to come to you and say that I have a lot of drama in my family and in my house. I have a lot of drama in my heart. I am going through some legal stuff with my in-laws right now. Some real bullshit legal stuff. Some made-up lies and basically lock me up in my house all summer for the next two years. With that, I'm facing a war in my heart. I am constantly wrestling with being vindictive. I am wrestling with looking for ways to seek revenge. I am looking for ways to right the wrong. And I don't know how to do it. And I think we're all going through that. You see these things that are wrong, and you want to make them right, and you demand that somebody make them right. But who's going to make them right? Who's going to make anything right? When every day we continue to make the wrong choices. And I'm just as guilty. I never exempt myself. I see myself as the guilty sinner more often than anybody else. I blame myself more often than anybody else. I learned at a very young age the power of accountability. I learned the importance of concession, admitting when you're wrong, taking the blame, taking the accountability. It's taking responsibility for my actions. And that's really tough for a lot of people. Who wants to admit when they're wrong? Who wants to admit that their own actions participated in the resulting consequence? Nobody wants to do that. But here's the thing. There is power in taking responsibility. Beautiful, loving, merciful, mindful power. It's power of grace. You extend grace to yourself by taking responsibility, by seeing that part of the problem was you, that you contributed to the problem. But here's another beautiful thing. This is something Matt Kahn said that really stuck with me. What if you're also the solution? What if you stopped seeing yourself as a problem? What if you stopped thinking that accountability meant wrongness? What would it be like if you knew that even your fuck up was part of the solution? The solution for you to see 
that you are just as capable as everybody else that you point your finger at as doing something wrong. When you are willing to embrace that, when you are willing to accept that, to invite that in, that power of accountability can transform you. That power of accountability can demonstrate the most graceful love. That power is the power that we never hunt for. We never hunt for that personal accountability power. We point our fingers and we blame. Who's the scapegoat? Who's the scapegoat? Who can I put this on? Who can I say this is all their fault? I know what it feels like to always be the scapegoat. I have been my in-laws scapegoat for almost 15 years. The women in my husband's family somehow always end up as the scapegoat. And when we've used all of the direct family members, you have to move outward. And I was the next female in-law to step into those shoes. I stepped into the shoes of the scapegoat. I recognize that and I actually accept it as a gift. If those people want to always see me as the problem, let them. Because if they're always seeing me as the problem, they're never going to see humanity as the solution. They're never going to see personal accountability as the solution. They're never going to see that potentially I came into their lives to show them that they have to stop blaming people and take personal responsibility for their own actions. I will humbly accept that position. It's been something I've been fighting against up until just now as I'm saying these words. So I will humbly accept that position. I will be your scapegoat if that brings you peace at night. But I bet you it will not solve the problem. I bet you that seeing me as the problem still offers you no solution. And so if that's how it's going to be, fine. But then don't ever expect to see a solution. And that's something that we should all wake up to. If we're always looking at what the problem is, if we're always pointing to the problem, if we're only ever seeing problems, we're never going to look for the solution and we're never going to realize we are the solution. And that fucks us. It fucks our head and it fucks our heart. And I love fucking, but this is not a good way to fuck. So we elect scapegoats, relinquish responsibility. We see injustice. We see the wrong things being done. We hear messages in our mind that tell us we have to act against this. We have to do something. And we use our words, and our words wound. They wound so deeply because the things that we put out into the universe, they stay. That's an energy. That's an energy that we should not be reproducing. It's a negative, evil energy. Scapegoating is an evil energy. And these energies linger. These energies will stick to us. We cling to these energies because what they do is they reiterate, they reinforce, they remind us that this emotion that we felt at one time is still justified. It's still righteous. We're still entitled to it. We deserve it. What do we deserve, really? Do we deserve to cling to a one-time emotion and use it to identify the wholeness of who we are and the wholeness of the other? Should we hold that emotion in some kind of negative tension? 
What does that make of us? What does that do to our potential positive, loving, light energy? Well, if we're clinging to that negative energy, we're surrounding ourselves with it. We are making it a part of who we are. I am no longer Danielle. I am the energy that Danielle will not let go of. If I hold on to negative energy by means of holding on to these things that happened in my life that did not result in positivity, that did not result in me getting what I wanted, and I cling to these energies so deeply, will I ever see what I do really want, what my heart wants? Will I ever be able to change that energy? Will I be scared to change that energy? Will I be scared to change my opinion, my belief? Will I be scared to let go of that emotion that currently defines me, that I found comfort in, that I feel justified and righteous in, that I deserve to hold because I'm right? There's this saying, my, my husband's stepfather, I used to say it, and that is, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I don't know if you're like me, but there are some things that people put out there that just, I hear it in their voice and it stays programmed, not so much programmed, archived, right there as a little reminder when my ego starts tripping out, because she does. And do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? When we cling to wanting to be right with our emotions, with our energy that we won't let go of, we are creating an obstacle for our happiness. We are becoming the obstacle of our own happiness. And when we carry that negative energy around with us as a defining idealization of who I am as a person, I'm angry, I'm justified in my feelings, we can influence the energy of the atmosphere around us If we're coming charged hard with negative energy all the time, that's all we're emitting. To expect positive energy in return of that obstacle of that negative energy is just ridiculous on every level without any negative judgments attached to it. It's just the math doesn't add up. There's no art behind it. There's no science. It's just ridiculous. And so the only way we can combat that negative energy is to let go of our justifications and our our deserved right to stay angry about a moment that is so far past us. When we hang out in that moment of anger and reaction and in that negative energy, we breathe it. And then we really can't breathe consciousness. Then we really can't breathe in love, truth, grace, And we can't exhale it either. If we're only inhaling toxic air, that's all we can exhale. I mean, we have a mighty filtration system, but we are adding our own toxins. Every time we breathe out that negative energy, we choke out positive energy. Every time we recirculate negative energy, share negative energy, share negative headlines, share negative gossip, We duplicate that energy. And I have to ask, do any of us really believe we can bring about any kind of positive change if all we're exhaling is toxic air for others to breathe in? Do we really believe we're not strangling the life out of ourselves? 
It's a question to sit with. It's a tough question to ask yourself. Most people are going to react to that. Most people are going to say, who the hell do you think you are? You know nothing about me. Most people don't know a damn thing about me either. But what I do know is that we all probably agree. Nobody really knows me. God knows us. God created us. God breathed in light energy for us to duplicate, for us to imitate, for us to recirculate. When are you going to wake up and know that to be true about yourself? When are you going to wake up and realize that if you just let go of that negative energy you carry around, you're going to shine out so much loving light energy that you're going to blind people with your love? And wouldn't we rather be blinded by love than blinded by hate? The energies we continue to produce, we produce in memes and in clickbait headlines, in the videos that circulate around that show graphic violence and brutality of one human to another. We're not sharing light energy in those shares. We're sharing death. We're sharing death. We're sharing suffocation. We're sharing asphyxiation. We're sharing strangulation. We're the knee on the neck. When we start to realize that we're all one, when we start to realize that we're all just as accountable for every brutal act against another human, we might start thinking differently about how we address the quote-unquote problem. We might think differently about how we elect a scapegoat. Jesus was the scapegoat, was the ultimate scapegoat of our sin. Let us not make that mistake again. Let us not continue to find a scapegoat thinking that if we just send a person out, our problems are going to be solved. That's not how it works. Jesus was confrontational. We have to confront each other. We have to confront ourselves. We have to confront the choices that we make for the energy that we decide to harness and emit. If we aren't willing to do that first, if we aren't willing to look internally into our hearts, if we're not getting our own houses in order, we're never going to be able to help get someone else's house in order We are never going to affect change anywhere else. If you can't change your heart and your mind, if you can't change your own actions and behaviors, you have no business demanding anybody else make any changes. You have to be the change you want to see in the world. You can't point your finger and find the problematic source and wait for somebody else to do something. You have to look at yourself. And that's why I take what's going on externally and I apply it to my house. What is going on internally? What are we reflecting? What is going on? Who are we suffocating? Whose neck are we pressing our knee down on? Who are we choking out till they can't breathe? Who is it that we're standing over watching having their lives taken away from them? We are all guilty. If anyone is to blame, we are all to blame because we are all one. If any one of us are brutal to one another, we are all brutal to one another. You can't deny that. I can't deny that. We're human. We fuck up. 
We make mistakes, but we can stop. It just starts with us. Point that finger inward. I know you could take that down some various avenues, but let's stay focused. Point to yourself. Know that you are loved by God. Know that you were created to be a solution. Know that you don't have to praise looters. Know that you don't have to praise protesters. Know that you don't have to condemn police officers. If you're willing to praise or condemn anyone, let it first be yourself. And if you wish not to condemn yourself, I pray that you wish to not condemn anyone else.